بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين مولانا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه ومن سبيهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد Respected elders, brothers, esteemed scholars, sisters السلام عليكم ورحمة الله I'm going to go directly into my topic. We don't have much time. One of the things that we see within the Muslim Ummah is a lack of leadership. And if we look into the life of the Prophet وسلم, we see a leader. Not only a leader, but a person who created leaders. He was transitive in his nature. The message of Allah sallallahu was a visionary. And he created visionaries. There is a lack reality, lack of leaders and a lack of visionaries within this Ummah. And this is something which is haunting us. Because if you don't have a vision, then little things become your priority and your object. The Prophet ﷺ gave the Sahaba big goals. They did the Islam. They were people who worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like no other. But they had big goals as well. So little issues did not bog them down. Like little issues bog you and I down. Because their goal was greater. Let me tell you an incident which you all heard. From the seerah of the Prophet sallallahu and this was at the Battle of Khandaq, the Battle of Trenches. This was an army, the Mushrikeen, and all the Confederates, the Ahzab, united against the Muslims, and they marched upon Medina, 11,000. They were so sure that they would defeat the Muslims that Abu Sufyan said, this is the final battle. After this, there will never be another battle. Muslims will never stand. The Prophet ﷺ dug a trench between the two. The Muslims were 3,000, 1,000 Munafiqeen, only 2,000 true believers. It's mid-winter, there's a famine going on. The Sahaba come to the Messenger of Allah ﷺ and they say, Oh Messenger of Allah, we're hungry, we're so hungry. And they remove their garment and they have a stone tied to their stomach. And the Messenger of Allah sallallahu removed his garment and he had two stones tied to his stomach. And then when they're digging the trench, they come to this large boulder which they can't break. There were young Sahaba radiallahu from amongst them, but they couldn't break it. So they come to the Messenger of Allah sallallahu who's over 50 years at that time. And they say, oh, Messenger of Allah, we can't break this boulder. The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa takes a pickaxe. He comes to this boulder and he strikes it. 
And the third breaks and he says, Allah Akbar, and there's a huge spark. He strikes it a second time. There's a huge spark and he says, Allah Akbar, another third breaks. And then he strikes it the third time. And there's a huge spark. And he says, Allah Akbar, and it crumbles into little pieces. The Sahaba said, Oh Messenger of Allah, that spark, that Allah Akbar, what was it about? The Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Allah showed me through the spark, a day will come that we will take the palaces of Yemen. When I struck it the second time, Allah showed me through that spark that a day will come that we will take the Byzantine lands. The Byzantines ruled from Sham all the way to Eastern Europe. When I struck it the third time, Allah showed me that a day would come that we would defeat the superpower of the day, the Persians who ruled all the way from Iraq to what is known today as Karachi. The Munafiqun said, look at this guy. He's promising him that they will become the superpower of the day. And one of us is scared to go and relieve himself. Within 12 years of the message of Allah saying this, the Muslims became the superpower in the world. Why? Because the message of Allah gave the Sahaba a goal. He had a vision. And they took that vision and they ran with it. And this is what they achieved. You know, all of us here in the here, which literally all are migrants. We in the UK, we're migrants. So let me tell you a few examples of when the Messenger of Allah migrated to Medina. He went to Cuba, stayed there 14 days. He built a masjid. He went to Medina. The first thing that the Messenger of Allah did was that he built a masjid. And then this masjid became the hub of the community. This is where the Sahaba got their spirituality. This was the place which made the Sahaba. But the Sahaba were never made only for the masjid. They were made by the masjid. Today, the little that we do, the most pious from amongst us, is the one who frequents the masjid. And his entire deen and Islam is limited to the masjid. He built a masjid. Let me tell you the masjid. MashaAllah, Nur Islam. No, it wasn't like Nur Islam. It wasn't a multi-million pound structure. It was 30 by 35 feet. The walls were made out of unbaked clay. The ceiling barely exceeded the heads of those who prayed in it. When you went into Sajda, there was no soft carpet. You had sand and pebbles on your forehead when you came up from your Sajda. Unbaked masjid, but it created men and women which were baked, which were solid, which were transitive, which extinguished the darkness of Kufr in half of the world. It became the hub. Today, listen. UK, I'm sure maybe South Africa's different, better. UK masjid, million pound masjids, million pound minarets, million pound carpets. Open the masjid an hour before salah, close it an hour before salah. No hub of the community, no counseling, no drug rehabilitation, no ta'leem. 
do the people go? And then you complain Google's a mufti? You made Google a mufti. What was the next thing the Messenger of Allah done? See, this is very interesting. The next thing the Messenger of Allah sallallahu done was because he knew there were challenges. See, our community are good. May Allah reward you in making masjid and making madaris. But that's when we generally stop. What did the Messenger of Allah do? He saw the challenges. He was a visionary. He realized that the mushrikeen wanted the people of Medina to throw them out. Abu Sufyan wrote a letter to Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul, the leader of the Munafiqeen. And he said, remove the Muslims. Otherwise, when we come into Medina, we will annihilate them and we will annihilate you. So they had the Mushrikeen putting pressure. They had the issue of the Munafiqeen within Medina. And then they had the Jews as well. What was, listen to this, what was the most precious commodity amongst the Arabs in the Hejaz? It was water. The Muslim took water from who? A Jew who owned the well of Ruma. The Messenger of Allah understood that if he stopped the water, the Muslims would be finished. They wouldn't last for a week. So the Messenger of Allah said to the Sahaba, Whoever buys the well of Ruma, I guarantee him Jannah. So Usman ibn Affan anhu went to the owner and he said, sell me the well. He said, I didn't sell it to your Nabi. I ain't going to sell it to you. So Usman says, okay, sell me half. You give water one day, I give water the second day. He said, okay, Usman was a businessman like many of you, but his business was solely for the sake of Allah. He had already bought Jannah. So what did Usman do? He was a stupid businessman. On his day, he gave water free. On the day of the, the next day, it's the Jews turn, nobody's coming and buying water. So his business flops. So he sells the bit of rumor to Usman anhu. See, what, what did the Messenger of Allah do? He extended. He knew that the existence of the Muslims in Medina needed them to have a vision, longevity. So he invested in the community. We, the Messenger of Allah, didn't say, I built a masjid, that's it. I got a madarsa, that's it. No, he was a visionary. And this is the seerah of the Prophet Sallallahu I'm not making this up. And this is brothers and sisters. If you don't know what's going around you, what's happening around you, I am telling you, you are not imbibing the vision of the seerah in your lives. What did the Messenger of Allah do after? You're going to say, bro, this is... You know, if, if, if I didn't say seerah, you would say this is dunya. The Messenger of Allah realized the economy of Medina was in the hands of the Jews. So the Prophet ﷺ told the Sahaba, go and find a place where we the Muslims can start our market. 
So they go to find this place, this land, they put a tent upon it, Kabim the Ashraf comes and he kicks it. He said the Muslims won't be allowed to have their marketplace here. So the Messenger of Allah says, find another place. So they find another place. The Messenger of Allah goes there. He stands and he stamps his foot like this. And he said, this is where the Muslims will start their marketplace. So the Muslims start their marketplace. Their business is on ethics and morals, on the beauty of Islam. When a person would come, they would not lie, they would not exploit. When a person would come, they would smile. Because there's a sunnah. They would serve him well. They would look after the employees well, better than anybody else. And they would give them wages because this is your brother. And they would look after these individuals until the mushrikeen in Medina said, forget the Jews, we don't want to do business with them. We want to go to the Muslims because the Muslims have ethics and morals. They look after their workers before their sweat dries. They they give them their wages. Let's go to the Muslims. The Messenger of Allah broke the economic stronghold of Medina from the Jews because he understood that this was deen. He understood to preserve the community long term. This had to be done. And this is the seerah of the Prophet Sallallahu You're all migrants here. Now you're slightly, some of you thinking, this is a bit too much dunya for us. Mufti Shafi Rahmatullah Alayhi, he says, he says, you know a Malvi? Malvi is a malamati firqa, meaning a condemned firqa, condemned group. No matter what they do, they're condemned. If Maulana Saab comes to the masjid on his bike, comes rolling on his bike, he starts saying, Pichara, poor wife, poor children. He rides a bike. They must be having it tough. If Maulana Saab rolls up in a G-Wagon the next day, you'll say, Maulana Saab dunya dar ho gaya. Man of the dunya. If Maulana Saab speaks about zikr, salah, and these kind of things, you'll say, look at this Malvi. He knows nothing about the dunya. He's aloof. And if Maulana Saab now starts speaking about politics, you say Maulana Saab becomes Sasi. He's become a politician. You don't spare us. But I am not telling you. I am telling you about the seerah of the Prophet Wasallam. The Messenger of Allah had longevity. He had a vision. And the problem with the Muslim Ummah today, I'm telling you, you don't have a vision. And because you don't have a vision, you splinter and you divide on every little thing. Let me just amplify what Mawlana Abam Hafizahullah just said. You're 2%. Most places, and I'm going to be slightly frank here, candid, you're about 2 to 3%. But you act, and the Muslims in the UK are the same, but you act like you're the majority. Your majority in Lanasia Mayfair. Have you ever driven down the road? Have you ever driven in the bush? You don't see you. But you're deluded. You're, you act 
like you are the only being in this country. And this is why you've never had a vision for longevity. You've never had a vision to bring people in, to give people empowerment, to make others your brothers and sisters. Somebody comes from Bangladesh, Pakistan, who looks like you, you can't accept them. How are you going to accept a person who don't look like you? How are you going to accept them? The message of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa empowered people. He empowered people. Listen, the most, the lowest people in today's strata, the lowest people, nobody's asleep. But the message of Allah changed people's perception. And listen, for those who say, What's this ball? We come to the UK. He don't know our reality. I lived in South Africa for three years. I know. You have to change your perception how you perceive reality. You were brought up, many of you, not all of you, looking down on some other people. This message of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa came to the Sahaba radiallahu anhu. And they had slaves. No caste is lower than slaves. And then they changed and he changed their perception of reality, how they perceived reality. To the degree, a man like Bilal, who was a slave, not the worker in your home, not your maid, not your Muslim brother who embraced Islam, Suwan Soweto, slave. The Messenger of Allah made him his Mu'azzin. And then the Messenger of Allah gave him so much status that Abu Bakr, who bought Bilal, freed Bilal, would say, Abu Bakr, Abu Bakr would say, Bilal Sayyidi. Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu, the second greatest person of this Ummah, would say, Abu Bakr Sayyiduna wa ataka Sayyidina. Abu Bakr is my master, and he freed my master Bilal. I ask you a question. What sunnah you on? What sunnah you on? What deen you on? Because I don't see many of us, no matter where you are in the world, acting upon this sunnah. And I'm going to finish off on the narration because my time is up. In the time of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, there was a woman called Umm Mehjan. It's a long story. I shall I'll tell it tomorrow in Cape Town. You can tune into Radio Islam. <coughs> She was thrown out, abused. So where did she come? She came to Medina. The Messenger of Allah kept her in the masjid. What would she do? She would clean the masjid. She would clean the masjid. That's what she would do. The Messenger of Allah one day asked, where is Ummay Mehjan? I haven't seen her for many days. So they said, oh Messenger of Allah, she passed away. We surrounded her, we gave her ghusl and we buried her. The Messenger of Allah said, why didn't you tell me? The narration of Muslim mentioned, amraha. It's as though they didn't regard her as important. She wasn't a muhajir, she wasn't an ansar, she didn't give big mashura, she didn't give big money. amraha. They didn't regard her as much. But the Messenger of Allah وسلم, wanted to show you and I, what this woman who was an ex-slave from Africa who cleaned the masjid, what her status was by Allah and his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa And wallahi, every single time I go to the haram, I sit in the sahan of the haram 
And I imagine this narration to myself. How the Messenger of Allah stood up from Masjid Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And then he walked towards Jannat al-Baqi. And he reached Jannat al-Baqi. And he said to the Sahaba, show me where her grave is. They said, oh Messenger of Allah, this is her grave. And the Messenger of Allah stood on her grave and he prayed a janazah namaz because he wanted to show she may not have much significance in your eyes but in the eyes of Allah she is lofty so brothers do me a favor love each other for the sake of Allah do me a favor does it take bombs to rain on your Muslim brothers and sisters' heads for you to love somebody? You can't love your neighbor. You can't love your worker. You can't love somebody who comes from a different community. Surtis can't love Baruchis. But then all of a sudden you feel compassion for people in Gaza. How about starting here? Don't wait for bombs to rain on people's heads for you to show empathy. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alleviate the sufferings of our brothers and sisters in Gaza. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give you great unity. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala elevate your status. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward Masjid al Islam for this conference in remembering the greater the being sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward Mawlana Sulaiman Rawat Hafizahullah for inviting us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow your community to grow from strength to strength. Brothers, on the day of judgment, Allah will ask us who broke our communities and our ummah on the basis of nations, cultures, tribes, wealth, poverty, color of your skin. Allah will ask us. Let's not be in that country. Barakallahu feekum. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh.